everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of Sporadic. It is January 11th, 2023, and I am back on my Sporadic grind. Guys, I have a lot of fun stuff to share with you. I gotta tell you about my new morning routine because it's dope as hell. I don't want to say life-changing because it's only been like a week that I've been implementing it, but... It seems to be uh, a little bit of a game changer, and so I want to share it with you guys. Uh, so let me get let, let me start off with like this one story, okay? So as the five or six regular listeners that I have on this show well know, I have had a lot of health problems in my life. I've had this uh, acid reflux problem that has refused to go away for like two years. I started seeing a homeopathic doctor about it who gave me a bunch of supplements to help it. And the supplements helped a lot, but the problem was that he gave me like four supplements. And so there was an issue of figuring out which ones were actually helping, if any of them were hurting, when I should take which and how many and how often, that sort of thing. So right now I've got two that I'm like, these are the money ones, and one of them is completely out of stock. So basically I'm surviving right now on one of the supplements, but it's doing such a good job that I'm like, I'm just, I'm crushing it, you know? Like I'm, I'm eating things that I haven't been able to eat in years. Uh, and, you know, it was getting a little dark before we figured this out, and I was just like losing my mind. I was like, I cannot just keep eating the same old boring shit, and also feeling like trash. Like, it's not like the boring shit was helping. It just was hurting less, you know? So anyways, so I haven't scheduled a follow-up with this uh, homeopathic doctor yet because he sent me a bunch of tests that I needed to take at home before we had our next appointment. And part of this was me, like, kicking the can down the road because I was like, this is a pain in the ass. I don't want to do this. But part of it is, like, these tests fucking suck. They fucking suck. Like, there's one test where you can... You you only eat chicken and rice all day, and then the next day you have to breathe into a tube for, like, five or six hours or something. And it fucking sucks. And then there's another test where you got to prick your finger and bleed onto a card, and then you collect your poop. That was the easiest one. Just poop, <laughs> Just poop into a little paper tray. And then uh, scoop at it. That one was a piece of cake, you know. Uh, then there was another one where you had to spit into tubes for like uh, for like hours. It fucking sucked. It fucking sucked, man. But I did almost all the tests. And one of the tests, the breath test, that fucking sucked. Uh, they, I got a call from them a little while ago that was like, "Hey, you fucked up this test, so you need to take it again." And I was like, "Well, goddammit. it." So I had to do that one twice, and that one fucking sucked. But the blood test, the one where you put, prick your finger and you bleed onto a piece of paper, that one was the one that fucked me up the most because I had to do it four times before I was able to get enough blood out of my finger in order to satisfy the test. And I don't know what the problem was, but I did all the things that you're supposed to do, like you drink some water. They, they gave you, like, instructions, like, here's how you get the best blood. <laughs> here's how you get the best blood out of your fingers. You you do some arm exercises, you run your hand under some warm water, you drink, uh, make sure you're well hydrated, and then 
cut your fingers. And I did it. And you're supposed to get at least like 10 circles filled with your blood. And I was only able to get four. And I had like this panic attack. I was like, I can't believe I fucked this up. And I got holes in my finger for no fucking reason. So I tried it again. And this time I enlisted the help of my beautiful and amazing wife. Because uh, I was like, it is your dream to hurt me physically. So let's... uh let us let us lean into that, and you can poke holes in my fingers. Wouldn't you be so excited about that, baby? And of course she was. Uh, and so she did it, and the test we we filled out all the all the circles. It was little, it was a little touch and go. Like we were worried we weren't gonna get all ten, but we eventually got all ten. I sent it out in the mail, and then I heard months later that they never got it. And I did a little bit of digging. I did a little research and they did get it. But the problem was they, they, you're supposed to like send it with a requisition form, which the homeopathic doctor neglected to send along with the package. And so I was a little annoyed by that. But for a long time, I didn't know if that was my fuck up or their fuck up. But it became clear that it was their fuck up because they sent me a third test. And the third time I enlisted my beautiful, lovely wife again. And this time we couldn't even get like four circles squared, uh, four circles filled with blood. I don't know what the fucking problem was. Again, I did all the fucking things, but I just, I, my fingers weren't bleeding. So I asked for another test. I apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm wasting all these tests. I feel like such an asshole. I'm so sorry. I can't bleed out of my fingers. I'm a, I'm a worthless piece of shit. So they sent me another test. And this time I am like, I am not fucking around with this test and so the second that I got up I began the process of hydrating and I was gonna hydrate my fucking dick off and here's the thing about my particular brand of reflux is that the doctor told me that I should not gulp down water and that that could be that could be a trigger for my reflux and truth be told I I love I'm a voracious fluid drinker I love gulping me down some fluids you know, I'm a big chugger, you know, uh, and so this was a change that I had to make. This is something I had to learn. Sometimes when I get high, I fuck up and I and I chug still because it just feels so fucking good. Uh, and uh, so so in order to be hydrated, you can't chug water. You got to pace it out, you know, like you got to take a little sip and then wait a little bit and then take a sip, a little wait a little bit. So that's what I did is I got myself two big old cups of water and I parked myself on the couch early in the morning and I read a book and did little sippy sips and I played a little Nintendo Switch and I did my little sippy sips until I had two of these cups completely nailed. So then I did like a not just arm workouts, I did a big ass workout. I did a full body workout and then I woke up my beautiful and amazing wife and I was like, it's time to cut me baby prison rules. And she was like, okay, it's time. Run your hands under that warm water. Run my hands under the warm water like I was fucking supposed to. And I did like 20 fucking circles, guys. I am now the best at bleeding on a piece of paper from my fingers. I am the, me and my wife are a fucking Olympic team of getting me to bleed out of my fingers. You know, and this is just, it's it's a beautiful story of the resilience of, of, uh, of, of humanity of of a you know person facing a struggle and rising to meet that struggle and changing and learning and growing and finally achieving their dreams of bleeding onto circles on a piece of paper but what i discovered funnily enough in this process is that drinking all that water in the morning 
gave me a ton of fucking energy. It really fucking jump-started me for the rest of the day. And so I was like, what if I just keep on doing this as part of my routine? So in the morning, I grab myself a cup of, cu- uh, cup of water, and I, and I play my Switch, and I do my re- read my book, and I play with my phone, and I do my little sippy sips. And it really has made me like a lot more productive, weirdly. Um, it's not that big of a stretch, and I'll tell you why. I remember there was a back back when I was having like more stomach issues, I was taking this uh, supplement called Fibercon, which is like you know all it is is it increases your fiber intake and you know makes you more regular and stuff like that. And this was something that really helped me with my initial irritable bowel syndrome diagnosis. This is the thing that got me back to regular when I was going through that whole fucking shit show when I was like 20 years old or so. Uh, And so I started on one, moved up to two, eventually moved up to three. I discovered that it was making me fart like a lot. So I went back down to two, went back down to one. And then I stopped because I was like fucking nailing it. But the thing about Fibercon is that you have to take it with a lot of water. That's what they say. So I was was chugging and I could chug back then because I was a younger man and my body was different. And I and I had chug ability, chug. chug. <laughs> I was a chug abled human being. I would just fucking down these massive, fucking bottles of water, and it would give me a rush. And I would specifically remember like working at restaurants, and I would always try to time it like around three o'clock in the afternoon, so that it was like you know you don't do it before bed because then you know you got to wake up and pee and stuff like that. And three o'clock in the afternoon always felt like a good time to do this because you know. Uh, you're not seeing a movie at eight o'clock and then, you know, having to chug or anything. You know, it's kind of between meals, you know? And I noticed a rush when I got, I did that too. And I was like, what the fuck, man? I don't know why I stopped just chugging water, man. Cause it was clearly doing good. You know, it was clearly waking me up a little bit. So yeah, man, uh, hydrating in the morning. That is my life hack for you guys. That is my life hack. And these fucking supplements that are, that are giving me, you know, rebirth, that are just so fucking they're fucking crushing it. And I had I did a little a tiny bit of research on this. They are histamine blockers. That's what it says on them. And so I assumed it had something to do with uh, allergies because I know that histamines is a big thing with allergies. But uh, I looked it up and it has something to do with like an enzyme that doesn't break down in your intestines or some shit like that. So you take it before you eat. And it helps with digestion and stuff like that. And they're fucking crushing it, man. So I, I, in my research, I discovered that the guy who, who the, the company that made these histamines, block, this histamine blocker thing, the, uh, were developed by this doctor who wrote a book. And I was like, I'll fucking read this guy's book. His histamine blockers have given me a new lease on life. So I'm fucking pleased as punch about this. Uh, so yeah, histamine blockers are dope as hell. They are making my reflux a, a thousand percent better. It's not a hundred percent until I get my second reflux medication back from back order uh this is kind of funny i was right before um right before christmas i was hanging out with my wife and i was bitching and moaning because i was so tired of just eating plain ass food and not being able to eat all the shit that i wanted and really upset because my i I wasn't i hadn't figured out my my regimen with my with my supplements yet and my wife was like and I was like, the one thing that I know worked is the thing that's fucking out of stock right now. And she was like, did you do like a deep Google on this to see if it's out of stock everywhere? And I was like, no, I'm dumb. And so I, so we started doing Googles and apparently it was uh, out of stock everywhere. Like that wasn't bullshit, but we did find this one place that was sketchy as hell that said that they had it. So we ordered it from there and we paid for it. And the entire time I was waiting, I was like, I can't believe I'm getting my supplement. This is so fucking great. But I was also like, this place is sketchy as hell. So... 
they probably won't have it. They're probably going to have to refund my money or they'll probably steal it or some shit. And after like, you know, a couple of days that it's supposed to have been shipped and it wasn't, I sent them an email and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we don't have it. So it turns out they're just fucking out. So anyways, uh, but yeah, the holidays were fucking great because I was on these fucking histamine blockers and I was eating all this fucking crazy ass food. My in-laws family, they barbecue a lot. They smoke a lot of, uh, you know, they smoke meats. And, you know, uh, they're big drinkers. And so sometimes I'm not a big drinker anymore. Sometimes I'll I'll do an edible when they're drinking. And so we're just like eating all this delicious food and I'm high and my histamine blockers are working. It was just a, it was dope as hell, man. Great holidays. OK, so but there's big news here in the world of weed consumption. And that is that New York City's first legal weed dispensary has officially opened and it is the only one in the city. And there are some in New Jersey, but they're fucking pain in the ass to get to. I did a little Googling, and I was like, I'm not fucking driving all the way out there. I don't have a fucking car. But I was curious. I'm like, I want to check out this place. So I looked at the website. They don't have a lot of fun stuff. Like, that's part of the fun of going to a uh, to a dispensary is being like, ooh, they got teas. They got, uh, they got creams. They got oils. They got all sorts of fun stuff to try, you know? Ooh, I haven't tried these gummies. Ooh, I haven't tried these mints, you know? Uh, so they don't have a lot of stuff. But... It's a great charity that it is involved with. It's Housing Works, which is a, a wonderful charity. So I was like, you know, and I like that New York City, even though I'm sure it's going to get fucked up later on because, uh, you know, our fucking, uh, our, the, the, we've got a lot of corruption in New York politics. Even though we're all Democrat here, there's still a lot of bullshit, you know, which I still rather have. I'd rather have Democrats who are doing bullshit than the Republicans who are doing the same bullshit, but saying that they're doing the bullshit. I'd rather have somebody lie about doing the bullshit and us voting against that because then it's like we're not incentivizing it, you know? Uh, that's It's convoluted, but it makes perfect sense. If somebody's telling you, I'm going to punch you in the face, and you vote for them to punch you in the face, then that's your fucking fault. You're an asshole. But if someone says, I'm not going to punch you in the face, and then you vote for them and they do punch you in the face, then you are allowed to get upset at them and vote for better people who say they're not going to vote punch you in the face in the future. That's neither here nor there. We got into a little politics corner early, guys. Okay. So, uh, at the moment, the only legal weed dispensary is through this charity, and I support that. I like that, you know? So I wanted to go down and support. I had to go down like four times, though, because I went down once, I waited until after it had already, you know, like, had its grand opening because I did not want to deal with, like, a big line and massive crowds. Didn't want to get my face on the news or anything. So I went down one afternoon on, like, a Friday or Saturday, and there was a line around the block. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's fast at least. But I waited there for a little while, and it was not fast. So I was like, fuck this. So I went home, and I was like, all right, baby, we did not get any more edibles today at the store. Uh, and we were actually running out of edibles. We were really, <laughs> we really put our faith in this New York dispensary here. So we're, you know, we're, we're down to our last like 10 milligrams. Just like, ah, I started thinking about making my own again. Cause I kept on uh, having trouble at the New York dispensary. Uh, so I went down a second time. I got there much earlier and I, I got really close to the front. And then a person came out and said, we're all sold out of edibles. So I was like, well, shit. Went down a third time. It was kind of like on my way to another errand. So I just kind of like drove by on my bike and there was a big sign on the window that said no edibles still. So I was like, okay. And then the next day I checked out the website and they were like, edibles are back. So I went back down and I uh, got myself some fucking edibles from New York's first official legal 
weed store. Now, here's the thing that I find very confusing, is that there are other stores here in New York that sell weed, but they're not official. And so I have, there's like a bunch of different things going on here. First of all, there's like CBD and Delta 9 and THCN or whatever. It's all these like marijuana-ish things that they're like getting away with selling. And I don't know that I want to fuck with that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I don't know what the difference is. I'm, I had a friend who accidentally bought some Delta 9 edibles, and he said they fucked him up good. So I was like, all right, well, maybe, you know, they'll fuck you up good still. I don't fucking know. But I don't want that. I just want regular-ass fucking weed, you know? Like, what if I... What if this is like that herbal ecstasy shit that doesn't do anything, you know? And I... and Or it does something for some people. It doesn't do something for other people. You know, CBD is supposed to, like, relax you. I took a bunch of that shit when I was first experimenting with edibles and uh, didn't do crap for me, so... I didn't want to go, I didn't want to deal with that, with these fucking offshoots, with these legal offshoots. So that's like thing number one that happens. Thing number two that happens is there's all these illegal stores. They're just places that are selling weed, and for some reason the cops are not doing anything about it. And I don't know why that is. And, and I have not done any inquiry into it. It's a little different when you're buying edibles versus when you're buying flour because edibles really do you really want them fresh they can lose their potency you know Kirsten and I were using a delivery service when it was illegal here in New York and the edibles that we got from them were so they they were just like deteriorated like you could just tell we had to take like double the dose of what we normally would to get the same thing you know so yeah I don't know if you're a flour person I'm sure these illegal weed stores are fine and they'll probably do it for you. But for edible people, we really, we really need to, to we really need the official licensed registered uh, distributors, you know. Uh, and I will say this also, and I'm a little guilty of this myself, but the line, the people in the line at the one weed store in New York City, the one official legal weed store in New York City, they look terrible. They look terrible. You are doing nothing for this image that people have about people that smoke weed being fucking pieces of shit, waste, <laughs> who do nothing, you know, we're just a bunch of wasteoid, deadbeat drug addicts, and, and, you know, the world has been fighting this, and states are legalizing, and people are coming out of the woodwork like, I'm a professional doctor, and I smoke weed, and I am a, a successful business person, and I smoke weed, and then you look at the one big ass line to get into New York City's only legal weed dispensary and it is just oh boy these guys look rough <laughs> we do not have a lot of models in that line that's for sure so yeah I was like you know and I I you know I like leaving the house looking like shit just as much as anybody but we really got to get some models down there we really got to get some professionals in that line because it does not look great guys we are not helping uh all right Another new thing, uh, I decided to post a list of my favorite movies from the year to all my social media and stuff. And it is weird how satisfying I find that. I don't know if this is everybody, but there is a weird thing in me where I'm like, when I have an opinion, I really want to tell people about it. And to just the simple act of putting up a little list on my Instagram, my Facebook, and my Mastodon, because fuck Twitter... Of just like these are the these are like seven movies that I really fucking liked. Everybody, check them out. You know, it was just I don't know, I don't know. I want to make it a thing. It'll be an annual thing probably. All right, 
Last thing I'm going to tell you guys about is I got a very shitty present from um, probably my older brother uh, a couple of Christmases ago. And, you know, when you are when you have like an interesting thing about you like being a stand up comedian, people will often take advantage of that and like use that as like a really easy way to get you gifts. You know, and you know, they're gifts. I don't give a shit. You know, give me a shitty gift, give me a good gift. I don't fucking give a fuck. I'm one of those annoying people that's like, don't get me anything. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't give a shit about gifts. If uh, some, if, if the people in my life, the people that love me were like, we will never give you a gift for the rest of your life, I would not be upset about that at all. So, yeah, my lazy ass, stupid fucking brother. Um, I believe, I, cause I don't remember exactly, but I believe that like almost all the comedy books, that I have are from him. Like I got a Dennis Leary book. I haven't been a Dennis Leary fan since, uh, since I was in fucking high school. I got fucking Mel Brooks's memoir, which I read and which was, you know, it was nice. I love Mel Brooks, but he's an old man. And the memoir is, you know, it's, uh, it's just like an old man, like who had a, (laughs) he's just, being very sweet about like his life. He's like, and then I did this movie and it was really nice. And all my friends were there and everybody was great in it. And then I did this movie and it was great. And we had so much fun and I got so many awards and everything. And he spends a lot of time just like IMD being like all the people in his movies where he's like, and then I did this movie and it had this person and this person and this person sound designed by this person lighting by this person. The DP was this person. So yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, it's a, you know, it's a quick read at least. I got a John Cleese memoir, I think. I haven't read that one yet, but I also got a Kevin Hart's memoir. And, you know, I'm sure Kevin Hart is great. You know, I've seen a ton of Kevin Hart movies. He's definitely a funny guy. I'm not, you know, not going to say Kevin Hart's not super talented and hilarious, but I've never seen Kevin Hart stand up. I've never seen Kevin Hart do stand up. I know him only as a movie star, as a comedic movie star. And yet this person was like, I'm going to get you Kevin Hart's memoir. So here's the thing. In addition to my new fucking supplements, in addition to my new little morning routine of uh, drinking tons of water, I am fucking killing the reading game these days, guys. I'm fucking burning through books left and right, fucking crushing it. Reading so much good shit, man. I just, you know, I'll tell you guys when we get to Rex at the very end of the episode, but... Uh, so I finished this, uh, this trilogy that I was having a really good time with that I'll tell you about at the end of the show. And my beautiful and amazing wife who, uh, works in, she works in the publishing industry, uh, had these two really cool, uh, uh, graphic novels that she recommended. And I was like, oh, I can burn through some graphic novels. So I read those and I will definitely be recommending at least one of those at the end of the show. And then I am going to read this doctor's book, the one who made my supplements that have saved my fucking life. And so I was like, what can I burn out really quickly before I get that doctor's book? I I use the library. I fucking love the library, support the library, use the library, give money to the library, guys. The library is fucking dope as hell. Can you tell how fucking jacked up on water I am right now? Just like my speed, my pace, my energy. It's, this is a testament, guys. I am on no stimulants here. I feel like I'm on crack. I just, I, I got so much energy right now. Uh, okay, so what was I talking about? The books, um, my, oh yeah, I'm waiting for this doctor's book to come from the library, and every time I take a book out of the library, I always put it in the freezer for three days in case there's bed, bed, bed bugs on it. That's a thing that I read you're supposed to do. 
And so I was like, what can I bang out real quick while I'm on my way to uh, reading this doctor's book? So I was like, oh, maybe I'll get rid of some of these fucking comedy memoirs that <laughs> I didn't fucking ask for. And I started with Kevin Hart's because I was like, all right, let's fucking check out Kevin Hart's memoir. That'll probably be the easiest one to read of, uh, of the three, you know? And so I have some thoughts about it, okay? It's not a bad book. It's interesting. It's entertaining. You know, it's an easy read. It's definitely not fucking, you know, Finnegan's Wade or James Joyce shit that's, like, really difficult to wade into, you know? Uh, it is an easy, fun, interesting, entertaining read, you know? Is it fucking Shakespeare? No. But it's good. It's a fun read, you know? And it's a story that I did not know. Like, I didn't know how hard his childhood was. I didn't know about his career struggles after he moved to Los Angeles, you know, um, and it has it has made me interested in like checking out his stand up because I like I like doing that. Like I read Rob Lowe's memoirs back in the day, not because I'm a huge Rob Lowe fan, but I was just like, this dude was the fucking top of the game in the 80s back when you there were no consequences for being a piece of shit. Like this dude had a threesome with like two underage girls, didn't go to jail, didn't ruin his career as far as I can tell. <laughs> he did SNL like after that, you know. Uh, and so I was like, I want to fucking hear these guys' stories. Like, that sounds fucking amazing. This super hot guy who was extremely successful and popular and famous and could just, like, fuck his way through the world. Basically, I want to fucking read that dude's book, but I'm not, like, a fan, so I'm not going to buy it and just, like, keep it on my fucking shelf, you know? It was a little embarrassing to read on the subway, like, flashing my Rob Lowe book everywhere. I was like, God, this guy's a real... <laughs> this guy must fucking love Rob Lowe. Similar, similar thing for, oh, and so, yeah, when I, when I read Rob Lowe's book, I was like, oh, I want to watch some of these movies that I haven't seen of Rob Lowe's, and so I watched a couple of extra Rob Lowe movies that I hadn't seen. They were okay. Um, but I will say this, so after reading Kevin Hart's book, um, in addition to all the appropriate praise and that, that I have lavished upon it, uh, I will say that in the beginning of Kevin Hart's career, he was the luckiest stand-up comedian that has ever lived. And I can say this as a person who has been in the stand-up comedy trenches for a good 15 years-ish. I have never read a story of all of the pieces falling into place for somebody that early, that quickly. And I mean, obviously this ended up being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a double-edged sword here because it kind of fucked him up later in life, but... Uh, you know, I, there's no spoilers here, but he, he got so successful really quickly, spent like way too much of his own money, didn't know how taxes worked, you know, uh, and you know, the dude had a really fucking difficult upbringing. His dad was a, a absent crackhead. Uh, his mom was extremely strict. His brother like fucking dipped out and it really seemed like this dude had a, had a rough upbringing. But then as soon as he graduated, he turned 18, it was like nothing could go wrong for this guy. He started doing stand-up in Philadelphia, won every contest. He met up with a guy who's a staple at the Comedy Cellar in New York. That dude started showing him around the Comedy Cellar. Obviously, this is a guy... You know, you can give people these opportunities and them not take advantage of them. But, you know, he had a drive that I saw a lot of very talented people have in New York uh, at, you know, a different time, like, you know, 10 years later or so. And it's it the, the same opportunities were not available. And even though we had the same, even though these people had the same drive, they had the same talent, in three years, he did things, Kevin Hart did things that I, I there, there are comedians that I know today who ha they haven't done, you know, successful, good talented comedians have not reached 
the level that Kevin Hart did at three years in, you know? And I want to be clear about something. The dude worked crazy hard. Like, I, if, if what he's saying in the book is true, and I have absolutely no reason to believe that it isn't, the dude worked hard, and he had drive, and he had talent, but he also <laughs> had, like, five insanely lucky breaks at the beginning of his career. Then he moves to L.A., and he starts getting involved in Hollywood, and that kind of fucks him up a little bit. And so I got a lot of sympathy for him there. Like, you know, that part of the career is very difficult, and I think a weaker person would not have been able to get through it the way that he did to become, like, a massive celebrity and everything. But goddamn, reading some of these things as a stand-up comedian, I was like, you motherfucker, you know? I think part of this was also, like, when he got started. Kevin Hart and I were born in the same year. Uh, and he, I went to college cause I am a fucking privileged piece of shit who, you know, my, my family was upper middle class. I went to college and everything. And I didn't even get started doing stand up until I was like 25 or something. This dude got started at 18 and the comedy scene was so different back then that it was so much easier to, to, to get involved, you know, like once stand up kind of had like its second boom, in like I don't know, I'm gonna say the early, the, the like the early twenty, the the late two thousands, early twenty tens, there were just there was an influx of people that wanted to do this. Everybody wanted to be a stand up comedian, and it became so fucking amazing. It became so huge this phenomenon of people wanting to do comedy, wanting to do comedy that businesses were set up just doing open mics. Just charging people five bucks to do open mics, entire companies were set based on that back. Meanwhile, Kevin Hart, at 19 years old, is fucking hanging out with, you know, Bill Burr at the Comedy Cellar just because he knows one of the dudes. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, there, there were open doors back then, you know? There were some shitty guys who talk about uh, the fact that the world is moving towards diversity that that is illuminating opportunities for straight white men. And I do not agree with this sentiment at all. I think that the reason why straight white men, especially in entertainment, are struggling right now is not diversity. It is that there's just so many more people trying to do it. That's what I noticed when I was getting started versus when I'm reading Kevin's book. I'm just like, I'm like, you know, I, I am not of the mind that Kevin Hart got where he is because he's black and because, oh, we need, they needed more black comics. And there was a, there was a spot for a black comic and he's, he took it. That spot could have gone to a more talented white guy, but it didn't because of affirmative action. I do not buy into this at all. Not even, not even a lick, but I did think that he benefited from there being a thousand times fewer people trying to be stand-up comedians. And I think anybody getting started back then in 97 instead of 2008 is going to find just it to be a thousand times easier. And when I got started, hustling was the norm. That was the thing. If you weren't doing a thousand open mics every week, you didn't give a shit about comedy. You weren't trying hard enough everybody was on the fucking hustle grind. It was almost like there are comics that I know who became famous in the scene and everybody liked because the, the story of how hard they were working was like, 
was like epic and everybody was like good for that person for fucking doing 10 mics a night seven nights a week to the detriment of their health (laughs) and finances you know um but that was the thing everybody was doing this but when kevin hart was doing it or else i said anybody was doing this in 97 you would stand out you would be special and it would be easier to take advantage of the fact that nobody was doing this you know uh, and, you know, this is not a, an indictment of Kevin Hart. I just think it's interesting, you know, and I, have, I haven't got no ill will towards this guy. I, I know that there's some people on the fucking, you know, when something good happens to somebody, they get pissed off at them or, you know, oh, I had to pay my student loans and your student loans are going to get forgiven. Like, I don't give a shit about that. You know, I just want there to be less suffering in the world. So, you know, your your success is everyone's success, you know. Good for Kevin Hart, I say. I just think it's so interesting how much easier it would have been a fucking been for me to get started if I had just not gone to college and just immediately came to New York and, or, or even Philadelphia. That was another thing is that he started in Philadelphia, which is a smaller market, not as competitive, easier to stand out, easier to attract the attention of somebody who's into the comedy cellar. And then that guy then takes you to New York and you're already got your reps in in Philadelphia. People in New York don't know how bad you used to be. That's another thing. I started in New York, and so all the worst performances that I've done have been here. All these people that I've been performing with and and auditioning for, they saw me at my worst, and it is really difficult to get rid of that first impression. So yeah, thinking about his career from the perspective of, you know, did he get, was he right place, right time? Oh my God, so much. So fucking much. And again, I want a caveat extremely talented, extremely hardworking, extremely disciplined, like good for Kevin Hart. I wish him <laughs> wish him nothing but the best. He might be a piece of shit in real life. I've got no fucking idea, but that's just my, uh, you know, from what I, from my perspective, you know, good for him. Uh, and yeah, now I'm looking forward to checking out some of his standup and putting, uh, putting a, a, a face to the name, as they say. I want to, want to see, see this, uh, this, this, the, the physical, uh, evidence of the progress that he's talking about in this book. All right, so let me do some recommendations for you guys. Thank you for listening to my rantings and ravings. I'll say one last thing, which is that uh, the fight over the Republican House Speaker was really entertaining because fuck those guys. Like, they're chaos agents, and obviously they are fucking trash at governing because they don't fucking give a shit, and all they want to do is destroy things. And that was fun and everything, but now they're actually going to use their power to hurt. And so I am upset about that but there's not a lot we can do the only thing we can do is just remind people that this is because we don't have more democrats in office and if we had more democrats in office then we wouldn't have these fucking chaos agents who are doing nothing but saying no to democrats they got no fucking plan except for to make things worse uh so keep your eye out for that and my heart goes out to you if you're struggling because of what these pieces of shit are doing and we just got to, you know, I'm, I'm doing the work also, you know, I'm doing my fucking run for something and I'm doing my fucking TikTok lives to to spread the word and making my content about it. But we really just we, we got to get rid of these fucking guys because they're they're They do nothing but ruin things, you know, and I say get rid of I mean, vote out of violence is bad. OK, so leave you guys with some Rex. Uh, I finished the last God of War video game. That's one of my favorite video game series of all time. The last one does not disappoint. Uh, there's some gripes you could make about the gameplay in the last two games, but as far as like story goes, so great. And you know, whatever gripes you have about them, they're fun as shit to play. I had a fucking blast. God of War series cannot recommend higher enough. 
I just finished reading this sci-fi trilogy called The Three-Body Problem. Completely awesome. Fucking loved it. Um, I This is not something I read recently, but I was just reminded that I really liked this book by... Uh, by uh, V.E. Schwab called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which I very much enjoyed. Highly recommend. Uh, and last, one of the graphic novels that I read that I really enjoyed was uh, Ducks. It was called Ducks. Uh, two Years in the Oil Sands. Ducks, colon, Two Years in the Oil Sands. Uh, it was on President Obama's uh, best of book lists of the year as well. How about that, everybody? Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Call your cable company and tell them you don't want to pay for Fox News anymore. Uh, join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jarrett Berenstein. Uh, you know, you if for, I think, as little as a dollar a month, I will... I forget how much I, I charge for it, but I'll send you one high thought a month or something like that. A steal at any price. And JarrettBerenstein.com, while I've got, uh, you know, uh, i got a couple of dates in Florida happening next week. Um, and then I'm hitting the road again in July cause I'll be moving to Los Angeles with my wife for a year. That'll be really fun. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check out any of my stuff, if I got any cool shows coming up, I will put them on jarrettberenstein.com. Keep an eye out for all my social media business. Leave Twitter. It's a fucking garbage, uh, garbage zone, uh, support, uh, liberal progressive Democrats and, uh, yeah, be good to yourself. It's rough out there. I hope that you're doing well. Uh, be nice to everybody. We're all got a struggle happening. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you all as we go forward. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.